0: Welcome to MonkCast, a podcast from the Benedictine Monks of St. Benedict's Abbey in Atchison, Kansas. And today we are sitting down with Brother Carl Sukup, who is a junior monk at the Abbey who's just about to profess his solemn vows. So, Brother Carl, thanks for joining us. Good morning. All right. So how did you discover the Abbey? Or we can go even farther back. Where are you from?
1: Well, I grew up in a little town in southwest Kansas called Lakin. I grew up in Great Bend, so... Or I was born in Great Bend. Um, we moved out to Lakin when I was about five years old. Um, I discovered St. Benedict's Abbey um, almost completely by chance. Um, I went to school, uh, to university at uh, the University of Kansas, um, and started there in 2004. Um, and back, that's been 15 years ago now, and at that time the college. Uh, was about half of its size that it is now. And I had no clue that there was a college up here or a monastery. Um, and one day when I was serving Mass at the St. Lawrence Center down at KU, um, Abbot James, then prior and vocations director, uh, showed up out of the blue um, and I was his server and he invited me up to come visit the abbey and that was 15 years ago. So obviously you haven't been a monk for 15
0: years, so you did something in the meantime. What were you majoring in at KU while you were there?
1: At KU, I was studying linguistics. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with linguistics. Um, Usually people who study linguistics go on to teach linguistics. Uh, Not not a huge uh, um, market out there for um, people strictly doing linguistics. Um, There's always jobs with the military or um, a lot with, uh, information processing these days. Um, but I really had no clue what I wanted to do after that point.
0: So you came up to the monastery for a retreat. So what happened after that?
1: Yeah. So I spent about three weeks up here, um, split up, uh, over the course of a semester, the spring of 2005. And I, uh, sort of got hooked and I entered in, the fall of 2005 with brother Levin
0: so obviously you didn't stick around so no. uh you know which happens to novices from time to time so yeah. tell us about that going yeah back into the world
1: so as a novice um you don't take any vows and you're free to leave whenever you want um and I left after about nine months um it was, it was sort of a hard thing to do at the time, and it's interesting looking back on it now, um, seeing all the different motives uh, that were at play um, going into that decision. Um, but I went and studied in seminary for the Diocese of Dodge City um, out of Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Um, I did pre-theology and uh, two years of theology out there, um, when I really um, came to the conclusion that diocesan priesthood uh, wasn't for me. I think uh, that really became clear to me because I, I liked seminary life too much. Seminary is supposed to be a temporary situation. The whole point is to get you trained and get you formed and then go off into uh, the diocesan pastoral work Um, But I really enjoyed uh, the the camaraderie, the brotherhood at the seminary um, in a way that uh, disclosed to me that being on my own out in a parish in southwest Kansas wasn't going to be a good fit for me. Um, That being said, when uh, when I left uh, the seminary, I really had no idea that I would be coming back to the monastery. I didn't know what I wanted to do exactly. um, So I spent a few years um, living and working odd jobs down around Wichita. And it was at that point that um, I really discovered uh, the need that I had for community life. Uh, The life I was living wasn't very glamorous at all. I was working at a grocery store trying to make ends meet, but I realized that the life I was living was still a very selfish life. It was all centered around me and what I wanted, and I knew that I needed something to draw me out of that, and that's where the idea of coming back to the monastery um, first sort of sprouted.
0: So while you were down there, as you say, working odd jobs and stuff like that, you had a few passions like uh, bookbinding, stuff like that, that you brought to the Abbey. Mm-hmm. And now you're working as an artisan sort of thing. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that process? Like, what did you learn? Obviously, you know, we're not going to work at a grocery store twenty four hours a day. So what yeah. were you what were you up to as far as your artistic pursuits?
1: Yeah. So I grew up in a. Uh, artistic family Uh, I don't know that anyone would consider themselves artists but my dad paints and does woodworking and my mom does lots of different uh, crafts and decorating and sort of always grew up with this uh, mentality that if you want to do something you figure out how to do it and then you do it Uh, one day while I was uh, right immediately after leaving seminary I was sitting on my parents' couch filling out job applications which you can only do for so long uh, when i stumbled on a youtube video about bookbinding, and i was sort of hooked and really just from that sort of very brief encounter kind of got sucked into uh, this craft and a really long tradition of uh, craftsmanship that's really seeing a revival uh these days so i started doing bookbinding um i'm certainly not a professional but i i think i'm quite proficient at it uh
0: as an aside, uh, Brother Carl bound some rules of St. Benedict, and uh, Bishop Robert Barron has one sitting right on his desk. <laughs> so, if you're watching a Bishop Barron video and you see a maroon rule of St. Benedict, that's a that's an original Brother Carl bound book, although not written by Brother Carl. No,
1: <laughs> some a little bit uh, holier wrote that book. Uh, <laughs> but and then coming to the monastery, I, I was encouraged by uh, superiors to. Uh, continue binding books. I've had the opportunity to uh, participate in a few workshops with a local iconographer uh, Elizabeth Zeller Um, so I've taken up iconography and um, egg tempera painting in general. A lot of the paintings I do people call them icons but they're not really they're sort of in a similar style but not really Um, Maybe for, uh, maybe for
0: the uninitiated, can you explain the difference uh, between uh, just a painting and an icon and that mm-hmm. sort of little process, just in brief?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. so icon in Greek simply means image. And when we talk about icons, what we're really talking about is the way the Eastern Church has developed uh, liturgical and devotional imagery. Um, and so we're... Tapping into an Eastern tradition of art, um, so usually the the figures are pretty stylized. Um, the Eastern Church has developed sort of very strict canons about how saints uh, and events are to be portrayed, even you know so, so far as uh, determining colors of clothing and posing, um, and there, there's actually – from a Western point of view, a lot of it looks sort of very similar just because it's so different. Uh, but there's actually a number of different traditions uh, within iconography that particularly – usually geographically um, determined, particularly centered around Russia and then uh, in Turkey or what was Constantinople and then also in Greece.
0: That's it. Interesting thing, just mm-hmm. a distinction where we see icons all of the time and we're just not used to those two things being uh, sort of different. So obviously the central thing about being a monk is, uh, you know, having a deep spiritual and faith life. So at some point uh, you talked about growing up, you know, being Catholic and stuff like that. So going way back, when would you say that your faith life sort of became your own and you were sort of discovering that pursuit towards, you know, ultimately becoming a monk?
1: Yeah, that's really a, a hard question. Uh, question to answer because as you keep doing this it, it seems like they're sort of regular milestones and sort of it's hard to pinpoint when was the one that made the big difference you know vocationally I ever since I was in second grade I thought being a priest would be a really cool to do I don't I don't see myself going off to seminary and being ordained I don't think that's what God has in store for me but I think that might have been the hook that he used uh, to get me here there's always a growth in uh, the spiritual life and and I I, it's really it's really hard to pinpoint a single period of my life when it really became my own because I feel like that's still a process I'm going through of making it my own.
0: Yeah, constant learning and deepening, you yeah. know, through reading prayer, stuff like that. Um, well, obviously, your name is extraordinarily unique. Uh, I know that uh, at your own novitiate entry, Abba James was struggling to pronounce it correctly. So uh, why don't you tell us about your patron?
1: Yeah. So my patron uh, is Blessed Carl of Austria. Um he was, to me, a really interesting saint – well, not a saint, but a blessed. Um, he became emperor of Austria-Hungary during the World War I, and I thought it was really interesting being uh, uh, through and through American that our enemy during a war was declared blessed by the church. But as it turns out, uh, one of the most extraordinary things that he did uh, was that he, he was deposed by the Austrian generals because he tried to broker a secret peace deal with the French. Uh, and I thought that was just a really outstanding example of giving up everything in order to do what you thought was right. Uh, that's... Yeah, he he was just sort of a generally very holy man. Uh, his he died relatively young, I believe, when he was 36. But his wife, the Empress Zita, lived into the 90s. I forget her the exact year that when she died. Um, but yeah, the example of resignation and more than resignation, but really embracing what God has in store for you, even when it seems uh, that it's all going wrong, I think is really beautiful. So coming up is your
0: solemn profession, obviously, here on uh, November 24th. And so what has the process sort of been like as you, you know, kind of pray and discern and get ready for all of that because it's a big leap to make. So what was that process like? And, you know, what are your thoughts as you enter into this, you know, solemn occasion? Yeah.
1: Well, really, my thought is that it's not a big leap to make. The fact of the matter is the solemn profession is on Sunday, and when I wake up on Monday morning, I'm going to do the exact same thing I did Saturday and Friday and Thursday and the whole week before. Um, the The process of going into solemn vows, for me, has really been... Um, i think there's there's two main factors Uh, one is the community's affirmation of what i perceive be god's will Um, this was advice that our rector in seminary gave us one time that you know god's will comes to you through the church and so for priestly ordination that means if the, the bishop says He's not going to ordain you. That means it's not God's will that you be ordained. Um, And here in the monastery, if you aren't voted forward to make solemn vows, that's a pretty good indication that it's not God's will for you to make solemn vows. So the community's uh, affirmation is important. Um, And it's also been, for me, just a process of uh, becoming comfortable here. The in any lifestyle, there's always things that attract you, and there are things that grate on you. And the the question for me is: Is it worth being here? Are the hard things worth enduring? Uh, for the sake of what's going right. And ultimately, the conclusion I came to is yes. When I look back at my life and the way this community has formed me over the past five years, almost six years, and even uh, beyond to my first novitiate 15 years ago, uh, I look back and I say, it's worth it. Um, the, there are hard things that I have to endure. Sometimes I kind of run, want to run away. But at the end of the day, I look back and I say, God wants me here. And uh, as long as I'm here, I know that he is going to take care of me, and lead me, and this community is going to form me to be a better man.
0: Obviously, moving forward, you say, um, when I wake up Monday morning, I'm going to be doing the same thing. So
1: what are you working on right now? So most of my time right now is occupied with classwork. I uh, am assigned to study and make art for the community. I'm currently taking two classes. One is a wooden metal sculpture class and the other is a drawing class. Um, There's a real luxury in only taking six credit hours because I'm really able to invest myself in the classes in a way that uh, I wouldn't otherwise be. So I devote a lot of time to that. I'm also work on various odds and ends here at the monastery, Uh, nothing worth announcing. And- Whatever needs done, right? Yeah. And I also work uh, for the college as shop steward so i go down and open the wood shop f- for the art students to use a couple times a week
0: obviously central to monastic life is just like you said that process of discernment constantly kind of learning and stuff like that so if someone walks up and says you know how do i discern
1: god's will for me what do you say to them when people say they're trying to discern god's will they always almost inevitably mean God's will in the future God's will 5 years from now 10 years from now 20 years from now Um, and usually God doesn't tell you what that is but if you ask God what his will for you is today he almost always answers a lot of times we don't like hearing that because it sounds pretty mundane but when I look at my life I know what God's will is for me God wants me to wake up in the morning and go to morning prayer. God wants me to do my Lectio, to do the work that I'm assigned. He wants me to be charitable to my brothers and to look after them. The best way to discern God's will for your life is to be faithful to your current state of life. If you learn to, God's, learn to hear God's will for you here and now, you'll become more sensitive to hearing God's will for you for the future. Outstanding. So quick ones,
0: lightning round. So okay. short answers and just whatever pops into your head right away. So um, besides Carl, blessed Carl of Austria, right?
1: Uh, favorite saint? John the Baptist. Why? Uh, because he's the proto monk. Uh, yeah. There you go. Favorite
0: breakfast cereal?
1: I don't eat breakfast cereal. Oh, well, that's a shame. Favorite <laughs> breakfast? Favorite breakfast? Uh, my mom's uh, breakfast burritos.
0: There you go. Shout out to what's your mother's name
1: again? Jeanette.
0: Jeanette. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, I lost my place. Uh, favorite movie?
1: Troll Hunter.
0: Troll Hunter. We'll Not really, but that's the <laughs> <laughs>
1: first Netflix special that came to my head.
0: <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite book? Uh, nonfiction.
1: Favorite nonfiction book? Uh, Claude Pfeiffer's uh, Monastic Spirituality. Favorite fiction book? Probably Brothers Karamazov. Good answer. What was your favorite toy as a kid? So I don't know if it really counts as a toy, but I used to have this cereal spoon that looked like an airplane. I really liked playing with that. Well, there you go. I think that's (laughs) all right. It's
0: a tool and a toy at the same time. What's your uh, favorite tool to use now as an an artist?
1: Oh, man. Uh, Probably uh, my nice new uh, jack plane. If you weren't a monk, you would be a bum yeah i did (laughs) (laughs) a gypsy wandering the earth
0: uh what's the best piece of advice you ever received
1: you're assuming i listen to advice when people give it to me but you could just say, padre pio right pray hope and don't Don't worry worry." (laughs) um well never mind it's not a big deal pray hope and don't worry or
0: saint benedict said pray pray and work or keep death daily saint
1: benedict never said pray and work
0: Oh, well, there you go. What, <laughs> what did he say? Then where does Orat Labora come from?
1: Orat Labora uh, was a 19th century formulation by a monk. I am blanking on the name. I believe he was one of the abbots of uh, Boiron, um that he formulated that as sort of a synthesis of uh, Benedictine monastic life. Yeah, but that, that phrase doesn't actually appear till the 1800s.
0: Very interesting. See, we could have done an entire podcast just on, uh, you know, little, uh, you know, etymology of phrases or something. Is, is that a word? I don't think so.
1: All of those are words, whether or not they mean anything. Yeah, that they don't sequence. make sense. <laughs> all, all
0: words are made up. All right, very good. Well, I think we'll probably just wrap it up right there. So, Brother Carl, would you mind leading us in a prayer to close out the podcast?
1: Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for the main blessings you give us. Give us strength and grace to meet the challenges of our day. And may all of our work be for the glory of your name and the good of our brothers. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.
0: Amen. Once again, this has been MonkCast, a podcast from the Benedictine Monks of St. Benedict's Abbey in Atchison, Kansas. And for more from the Monks, see their website, kansasmonks.org.